welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I'm your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to this week's episode where we are talking all about the first, well, rather second batch of episodes from The Bad Batch, season two. I'm super excited. You guys know we're doing things a little differently this season with The Bad Batch, uh, so we're kind of grouping them together in sets of how we talk about episodes. So this week, we're talking all about episodes three through episode six. So that covers the solitary clone, faster, entombed, and tribe. And I'm super excited to be talking about all these episodes this week. Me too. Me too. I feel like this is a good bunch to talk about all together. And yeah, this is our first time doing like a really big batch of Bad Batch episodes. (laughs) So uh, bear with us as we explore this new format. But just a reminder that Caitlin and I have actually seen most, if not like we've seen everything except for the finale of The Bad Batch. So our conversation is going to be more focused on like the thematic elements of the episodes and truly like what's in them and what we really responded to. So I'm really excited to approach it from that lens and that POV. Yeah. So we have a couple things that we want to say before we dive into it. First is we'll be back next week with another episode of The Bad Batch, and that covers two episodes, episodes seven and eight. They're really good, guys. So I'm really excited (laughs) to talk about it. They're really Um, good. And then we found out last week that we are actually going to be able to be podcasting on the HoloNet News stage at Star Wars Celebration Europe in April in London. We don't have any more details about the timing or what day that's going to be, but we wanted to let you know that that's something that we're really excited about and we cannot wait to be returning to podcast for our third time at Star Wars Celebration. We don't know what we're going to be talking about yet. Hopefully there's some insane things that will come out of Celebration Europe and maybe we can all talk about them there. But yeah, so stay tuned for more information about that. We are so excited. Yes, I'm very excited. We certainly just bought our plane tickets last week. That um, was painful. Not going to lie. That was a uh, (laughs) big purchase. (laughs) But uh, yeah, we're so excited. uh, So thrilled to be back on, well, the HoloNet news stage is new this year, but I feel like it's functioning very similar to the podcast stage. So yeah, yeah, we're very... Just a new name. Yeah. There's just a rebranding, retooling. Mm -hmm. So anyway, Mm -hmm. we're super excited. This will be our first international celebration. So we're very excited. And yeah, I hope to see you guys there. And uh, again, as per usual, all of our live shows will be uploaded onto the podcast feed too if you are not going to be in London this year for celebration. So no worries about missing out there. And yeah, I'm super excited to dive into these episodes. Like Charlotte said, we have seen most of the season. You don't have to worry about spoilers with us. We will not be talking about spoilers or really a lot of speculation um, to avoid any of that. The only thing I'll say is that next week's episodes are really good. (laughs) You guys are going to really like them. So I'm really pumped to talk about those. I'm really pumped to talk about this set of episodes. So why don't we just like dive in? Like Charlotte also said, this is kind of our first time doing a big set of episodes like this. We've definitely done two episodes out of time. When we were covering Resistance, there were a couple of weeks where we did two episodes, but to cover four episodes is kind of a lot, and we don't want to go through the details of each and every episode, uh, but this will be a bit of a learning process for us with the format and what's kind of working and what's not working with our analysis and discussion here. So like Charlotte said, bear with us. And if you have any ideas or ways that you'd like to see us talk about like these big groups of episodes, please let us know. We'd love to hear your ideas. But I think what we're going to do, we took some like big picture notes and then we took notes for each of the episodes. So I think we're going to kind of go through our big picture notes. And I feel like, as is usually the case with us, this will send us down an analysis and discussion kind of path naturally. But yes. <laughs> we'll, we'll kind of see how it goes. Uh, so we're about halfway through the season now. Again, next week is effectively the mid-season I guess you would call it a mid-season finale, but there's not going to be like a finale break. Uh, But next week is the mid-season. So out of these four episodes, which one stood out the most to you? 
Definitely today's episode, Tribe, is my favorite. I think it's beautiful, but I also really like, I think it's sort of tied with the solitary clone, which I think is really melancholic and serious. I feel like both Tribe and the solitary clone were really serious to me yeah. and had a, like a, a lot to say, I guess. And it's interesting that these kind of bookend our discussion. You know, I have to say, and I want to start here actually, that I've seen a lot of people talk about how these episodes are quote unquote filler. No, it's a bad word. I know. <laughs> it is a bad word because it's just, these are our core character development episodes, guys. We are seeing slices of life for our characters that we need to see, we need to ponder if on in each episode of these, if we want to think about the solitary clone faster and tombed tribe and how they each highlight a different member of the Bad Batch, a different path someone could take. These are the points that we are supposed to be pondering what their purpose is and where they should be in the galaxy. And I just, I really push back against the concept of filler, um, especially with these episodes, because I think they're all really contained and really well done. Obviously, I like others more than like the other, another one, which I think is totally fair and totally fine. But I don't know. I think that we as Star Wars fans, are just a little impatient sometimes. And I've definitely been like that. But I think, yeah, I think they're really great episodes. Tribe, I do think is my favorite. I just love seeing Gunji again. And I think I really enjoyed seeing Kashyyyk. One thing I will say that really stuck stuck out to me about all of these episodes is the music. Mm -hmm. And I think it was the strongest, actually, in the two that I mentioned, The Solitary Clone and Tribe, because I just think the Kiner brothers, Kevin Kiner, are really just nailing it with the themes and the music and the tone setting that's happening in all of these episodes, but specifically these. I think in Tribe, I felt so much anguish and sadness about Kashyyyk and a child being ripped from their home and... Uh, the sacrifices of war, which I think is truly the entire theme of all these past four episodes. Maybe not faster, but, <laughs> but <laughs> so, 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 most of them, I think it all really comes back to it's there's, there's a lot of sacrifices that come down in, <laughs> when it comes to war. Anyway, um, I think, uh, yeah, so I just think the music is like literally amazing. And I don't think Kevin Kiner has ever been better honestly in his animated themes I think each episode is sort of honestly like made from the amazing music that is happening yeah I think that the music in each episode's in each episode really stands out. I think when we think about the music in Star Wars animated projects, there are definitely like the standouts, right? That I think most of us who are fans of animated Star Wars know, like Ahsoka Leaves and like Kanan in the Fire and a lot of those like themes at the back end of Rebels and stuff like that. Like those really stand out to me as like quintessential Star Wars music. But I think that, uh, yeah, like each episode so far in Bad Batch has had such individuality with the music and it really has enhanced it. And I don't know if it's just because I'm paying attention more or again, like there's something extra in the Kiner's coffee every morning when they get up to start work, but it's really hitting <laughs> and it's it's really, yeah, like you said, it's really making the episodes. Um, I think yes. to your point about like filler episodes, I think this is a really, I'm glad you talked about this or brought this up because I think this is actually a really great set of episodes to kind of think about this idea of filler and like what this actually means. Because I think if we had watched an episode like Faster, for example, I think that's the one a lot of people might point to as a quote unquote filler episode. You know, if we were recording these week to week, I think it could be really easy to kind of uh, have a very isolated view of an episode like Faster and think, what? what is this for? <laughs> like, what are we doing? What greater storyline are we pushing here? What's going on with the characters in this episode? But I think kind of setting it within this, this Sky Talkers arc <laughs> of four episodes here, <laughs> that it gives us a good opportunity to kind of look a little bit at, I wouldn't say the big picture, maybe we should revise our notes to the medium picture, <laughs> because mm -hmm. we're not looking at it from a season perspective yet. But within these four episodes, I think it's a good opportunity yeah, to to analyze what is the merit of an episode like this at this point in the season? What is it adding now that we're two episodes past, you know, the episode faster? 
I know. I think it's it's an interesting discussion. And uh, yeah, as Star Wars fans, I think we're that idea of filler episodes, I feel like comes up so much in the Star Wars fandom. And when we're talking about Star Wars TV, particularly with with animated shows, but one, I don't think anything is really filler, but also something doesn't have to make or break a season. You know, you know what I mean? Like not every episode has to have a big thing that fully pushes it to the next one, not in like an episodic kind of way that that I think Bad Batch is set up. Does that make sense? Not like, I don't know. Not that. Well, I think the merit of TV is being able to spend time with characters yeah, exactly. in a longer form. Yeah. And, and it's I, not like we're not a movie. Like it's, it's television and you are spending time every, every week, at least 20 minutes with these characters and seeing where they end up. Yeah. Like not every episode has to have a clue that unlocks you to the next episode. Right. It doesn't have to be as dogmatic as that I think so I, I mean I I loved faster honestly I thought it was so is that your favorite um no I think tribe is my favorite too honestly um I would probably the thing is I really loved all of these episodes but if if I had to rank them I would probably say tribe faster solitary clone entombed and that's like a really poor ranking because I, for, I I really liked all of these episodes for what they had to offer. And there were moments in each of them that I was like, whoa, this is so cool. Like Entombed, oh my God, when the thing stands up at the end, I love a thing that becomes another thing. I know. <laughs> it just, and it looked incredible. And I the fee in that episode, I really loved Omega, particularly in Entombed. I thought this was great insight into her, like as a child and mm-hmm. the influences that she's taking in about how she's growing mm-hmm. up and stuff like that. I thought it was great. But then like the end of the solitary clone with Cody and Crosshair when Crosshair assassinates the governor oh my oh my god every moment that you're mentioning pointed by the insane music yeah exactly and of course the end of the solitary clone i think most people's favorite episode from this grouping will be the solitary clone Uh, and for good reason too it's a fantastic incredible episode Um, and especially the we're shouting out the music i said this in our premiere discussion but the environments of the Bad Batch this season, the matte paintings of it all, absolutely incredible. And in the Solitary Clone, when they're at the Clone Memorial uh, on Coruscant, all of those settings and set pieces were just absolutely beautiful. Just so beautiful. Yeah. I was thinking there's a lot of fire mm-hmm. in all of these episodes and that fire looks so good. It looks so real. It's insane how far the animation has gone, the lighting schemes. It's just really so, so good. And just to go back to the talk about filler and the purpose beyond every episode, I really, in my notes for all four of these episodes, I really wanted to make sure that we were grasping onto what the the theme for each of these episodes is. Um, and for me, I think if you want to, if we want to laser in on faster, if that is the one that people say is the most talked about as being filler, to me, I think this was so important for us to get tech development, uh, character development with him. I think it was really cool to see how each member of the Bad Batch is sort of experimenting, like on who they could possibly be outside of their brotherhood. And also their their clone designation. I mean, the the main takeaway is, oh my gosh, Tech is a racer. He can be a racer, and that <laughs> is so cool. Um, I also like. I thought the episode was paced really well, and mm-hmm. it was really fun. It was just really fun. But I think by the end of it, the theme is this belief in each other, and also to trust their own instincts on things. Yeah, and not fully rely on Sid, but instead rely on each other. Yeah. and I think that's important. That's important that we get to this place that. We have some doubts and questions about Sid because for a long time, that was not necessarily um, something that was being talked about or thrown around enough, in my opinion. And now we we are coming to a point, specifically in this episode, where no, it's not about like them working for Sid. It's about them remaining together and maybe leaning on Sid a couple times, but they can't. She's not part of the Bad Batch, and that's to me that was the takeaway. Yeah, you've always been very sus of Sid. And I always have been. I, I really not. Have. But you know who I trust more than Sid? 
I trust Maligi more than Sid. <laughs> I, love I love him so much. I would climb him like a tree. Oh my God. No Caitlin. questions asked. None whatsoever. <laughs> he showed up on screen and I was like, yes. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, one of my favorite tidbits from this entire grouping of episodes and particularly from Faster is this little, like the reason that Hunter and Echo are not on this adventure with the rest of the Bad Batch is because they're transporting 50 cases of Nerf Nuggets, which is like frozen chicken nuggets. That's what they're doing. They're transporting frozen chicken nuggets. <laughs> 50 cases of frozen chicken nuggets and aren't back yet. <laughs> and I didn't really catch this until the second time I watched the episode and I I died laughing. I just thought it was so hilarious that Sid has Hunter and Echo, the two most serious of the Bad Batch, transporting frozen chicken nuggets. I, it's just, <laughs> it's really funny to me. And I had to imagine if they were like dinosaur shaped or were in special, you know what I mean? I just... I found that really funny and I think this episode was hilarious and um, yeah, I think you're right that this episode and the tech focus, I think that's something that we can really pull away from this grouping of episodes is that there's been a really big focus on tech and that's something I'm really excited about because tech is probably my favorite of the Bad Batch and definitely a critique we had of last season of wanting more development with a character like tech and so to see them really focusing on him in these past couple of episodes, like, right, we had the great moments between Tech and Omega in the season premiere. And then to really see him kind of shine in this episode specifically and faster, I think was really great. And it's great to see his characterization more. And like you said, really trusting his instincts. I think Tech has always been someone who knows what he knows and is confident in his skills. But to see everyone else kind of doubt him for a second, you know, like, don't take the left tunnel. And he's like, no, that's what I got to do. And he does it. It's it was really cool. And he's, you know, very calm and collected throughout it. And, you know, he takes the risk joining the race, a race where, you know, the venue announces that they're not responsible for any injury, death or disintegration. <laughs> and he ends up winning. And I think that's super great. And yeah, I'm I'm really glad that we had this episode with tech doing this, right? Like tech is also pretty serious, but in this very comedic, venue and type of episode, you know, to have a bit of, you know, in the comedy, the straight guy tech kind of inserted into this situation, I think is really funny, especially when you put him up against a character like Teo, who just has these amazing one-liners. It's just, it's a recipe for success in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. I think a challenge of the Bad Batch has always been, and I've spoken on this before, is how do you break these characters out of their like designated characteristics in which are their names as well? Um, how do we make them not like st sort of stereotypical, like, uh, like fitting in a B team? Yeah. Yes. Um, and I think there's a lot of work that is being done in the season to respond to that and also expand on it and then also respond to it. So I, I think yeah. particularly with tech, it's, I think it'll continue to be a solid journey with this character. Even kind of putting him up against uh, or pairing him with Fee, as we've seen through yeah. a couple of episodes now and in Entombed as well. Uh, she's very different from tech. And am I shipping it? I'm not not shipping it. So I'm shipping it. I mean, I'm shipping it. I'm not not shipping it. And therefore, I am shipping it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I think Fee is a great character. And yeah, the comparison between the two of them, I think, is is worthwhile as well. Maybe we should go into each episode and start with the solitary clone. What do you think? Yeah, let's go into the solitary clone. Okay, so the solitary clone follows the two episode season um, premiere. And I think it was a pretty big change from that premiere, right? The last time we talked about the Bad Batch on the show. Yeah. I like how the show frequently checks back in with Crosshair. And yeah, this is a Crosshair episode. And I think when we get a Crosshair episode, it's going to be serious. It's going to be yeah. heavy. It's going to be 
intense. And yeah, we learn a lot in this episode about um, the defense recruitment bill, the fact that Commander Cody goes AWOL, a lot of shifting priorities, the cost of war, the amount of sacrifices that are happening, the uselessness of it all, the stormtroopers arriving. Like there's a lot that is happening and a lot of like seeds being planted for the rest of the season about the like political machinations of what's happening, um, especially with the clones. And for me, I feel like it was a clear reminder of the fact that there's a lot of balls in the air when it comes to the Bad Batch and what this show is doing. Um, it's telling a story of, of like a found family, a brotherhood, right, on one end. But then it's also telling the story of, okay, truly what happens to these clones after Order 66, after the Clone Wars, and what is their purpose? And I'm very grateful that the show is willing to take these issues head on and uh, show sort of a breakdown perhaps politically and like legally of what happens to these people. Uh, this episode was a really uh, intense beginning. I think you wrote in the notes that this episode is a little like pew pew for you. And I agree. I do think there's a, there's some points where I was like, there's a lot of uh, blasters. And sometimes I just really miss a lightsaber. <laughs> I hate to say it, <laughs> but sometimes I just miss a lightsaber. And anyway, but I think it's still really cool. And I think sometimes I'm just in awe of how well these action scenes are set up and shot in, yeah, yeah, choreographed, set up, shot in animation that really like actually does keep me on the edge of my seat. And I think seeing Crosshair in his like peak form um shooting up the stairs is like the coolest thing that he could possibly do every time he does it it's like oh my god i forgot that he did this and it's like so cool <laughs> the way he does this yeah and i think uh seeing cody at the end leave i think it leaves open a lot of possibility for crosshair to continue to question his role and his purpose and what he's even doing in the midst of everything i mean in in this i mean the episode is literally called the, the solitary clone and the solitary clone is crosshair he is sort of shunned he has no one to sit with at um at lunch which was reminded me of that very beginning of the bad batch even with the food fight in the, the lunchroom i know it's it it's just it's sort of um just a reminder that crosshair is sort of directionless as well and is he's chosen this one path um and his chip is removed but at the same time is that path the right path for him? And uh, the amount of times he can doubt that, the more that we see that, I think the more effective it is for us to understand his character and to, I, I don't know, continue to find hope that he someday returns to the Bad Batch. Yeah. See, I watched an episode like this, and to me it feels like Crosshair still isn't doubting the Empire and what yeah, he's chosen to yeah. do, you know? Um before before getting too far away from it, I did just want to say I am really glad that they continue to bring up the defense recruitment bill uh, to your point of talking about like all the balls in the air when it comes to the decommissioned clones and stuff like that. I think that, you know, when we come to these crosshair episodes, we're usually getting some more information, right, about what's going on with the Empire. And I'm really glad that they still talk about these, like, very political moments in the show and, like, bureaucracy at work, basically, how the bill still hasn't passed and it's stuck in, you know, on the Senate floor, whatever it is. I don't know. I'm just glad that we kind of continue to bring these things up and start thinking about it, it makes you want to think about the big picture of what's going on in the galaxy, like what you were saying, Charlotte, with the clones compared with the stormtroopers uh, and everything that's going on. And even with uh, like Rampart and what he did and didn't want for the clones and for the Bad Batch themselves as well. Uh, we do find out that Crosshair was stuck on Camino for 32 rotations before being rescued, which Rampart kind of is very smug about when he uh, tells uh, Crosshair to uh, report to Commander Cody, which I, again, I don't know exactly how long 32 rotations is, but it seems like a long time. <laughs> I think it's 32 days. Is it? Is a rotation, at, like, is it 24 hours? I think a day is a rotation. Yeah. Or, you know, right, it's so. like I'm second guessing myself, but regardless, that's, that's a long I think we're supposed to be time. like, that's a long time. Yeah, that's yeah. a long time. And, you know, it's like how how much is Crosser going to dig his heels into this, right? He lost 
his brothers. He lost the Bad Batch, the people he was closest to. And I, it's hard to categorize how Crosshair was feeling at the end of season one as regret, but he was still like he rescues Omega right at the end of season one. So it's not that he wants these people dead or you know what I mean? Like I think he had opportunity to do that and didn't, but he is very against the choices that they've made. But in doing so, he's put him in, he's put himself in a situation in an environment where he has no choices and he keeps digging his heels in. Like the fact that he was, I think Rampart even says something to the effect like, we abandoned you on Camino for 32 rotations or, or something mm-hmm. like that. Like his wording was very intense, I thought. And for him to go. I hate th- that guy. <laughs> I hate him so much. <laughs> um, to go through this Sorry. <laughs> whole episode and the way that Cody is talking to Governor Tawny is very similar. I think we can see a lot of our other clone characters having a similar conversation like Hunter, I think uh, would have had a similar conversation if he was in Cody's place, Rex as well. Um, And so again, we're seeing Crosshair in this situation. And whereas before I think with Hunter, he might've deferred to Hunter's leadership. He makes the choice to follow orders and go above Cody and assassinate the governor. And I'm like, Crosshair, (laughs) how much further are you going to dig your heels in into this and that he really becomes the solitary clone and mm-hmm. there is no one left who is really in his corner at all and of course it just it really makes you think about his headspace and uh what becomes a breaking point for crosshair because this seemed being abandoned for 32 rotations seems like a pretty big breaking point to me but it wasn't we know that he took his own chip out I don't know there are just so many considerations when it comes to Crosshair's character that he continues to be such a fascinating one and I I think you said this uh, earlier being glad that we continue to go back to his character and it's like pretty much fully a Crosshair episode it does feel like it's not a situation where you know how last season it was kind of like Crosshair hunting the Bad Batch um, or going after them and Uh, at Rampart's call, I think. But in this one, it seems like in this episode, we're getting just more of um, more focus on like his headspace or rather his choices as he's kind of going throughout this episode. Um, I did say that infiltrating the city is a bit pew pew for me. (laughs) I'm like, once we've infiltrated one city, haven't we infiltrated them all? (laughs) Sometimes how I feel about these sequences. But yeah, I got to say that shootout up the spiral staircase was like very cool. And Crosshair's confidence in those moments is is why we love his character, I think, Mm -hmm. because he just has no fear. He he knows what he can do and he always makes the shot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's, totally. it's great. It's great. The conversations that were happening in this episode between uh, the Empire Man, I don't know his name, who comes to the Empire Man. The Empire Man. <laughs> <laughs> like the Michelin Man, the Empire Man. The Empire Man who uh, gets taken hostage, Governor Tawny and Cody. Um, Governor Grattan, that's his name. I was like, I knew I wrote his name down. Um, had some really interesting tidbits from her. Uh, One of the things that I thought was an important quote from the governor of the city, Governor Tawny, she says, Dooku was right in the end. He knew that the Republic was corrupt and that it would collapse and become something worse. He saw it coming, the Galactic Empire. And this really just reminded me of our last episode on the Bad Batch when we went to Sereno and we were talking about the, oh, I can't think of the way to describe this, but the way that people talk about Dooku in Star Wars is so fascinating and part of why he's quickly becoming one of my favorite characters in Star Wars, mm-hmm. right? Because in the Tales of the Jedi, we get a pretty empathetic viewing of Dooku, I think, in part of that show. Uh, but, you know, once we flash to Bad Batch and what's going on in Sereno, we really see the destruction that Dooku wrought on his own planet and on the galaxy at large. But then we come to this episode where we have uh, someone who was a separatist and she's like, no, he was right. He was right. 
And Dooku was right. Like, Dooku did know what was coming, right? And in Attack of the Clones, he tries to warn Obi-Wan. Uh, like, this understanding of Dooku and his goals and motivations, I think, is really complex. And I don't know, I'm glad that we kind of continue to get pieces from people in the Separatist movement, um, Separatist Alliance. And we also got a Bonteri shout out, which you guys know, I love the Bonteris. I love Lux <laughs> Bonteri. I love Mina Bonteri. She was so cool. Um, I was really sad when we found out that she died, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. So that Governor Tawny worked with Mina Bonteri. It gives me a good idea of where this character stood because Mina Bonteri was friends with Padme, right? And she, Mina mm-hmm. was very, like, I, I believed her when she said she really thought that she was working for a better galaxy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I, I was really glad to hear this quote about Dooku and kind of add it to our understanding of his character or just his reputation in the galaxy and how all of these things are very fluid as well. Yeah. I think that this episode served as one of those touch points about how uh, the the Clone Wars was pointless and uh, just a reminder of that whole political facet that was brought forth in the Clone Wars, right? And I, there's a lot there, I guess. The whole piece was never an option. Yeah. Oh boy, I think that's a that's a line. That's mm-hmm. definitely a line, you know. <laughs> and when she said that, I was like, dang, okay, that's uh, that's a lot. Um. Anyway, I think you're so right about the referencing Count Dooku. Just to my earlier point, I think that this episode really does spell out how pointless it all was but like what does it mean right now uh, yeah yeah and when is crosshair going to realize that right yeah i think we- what are, what is going to be his breaking point or how far is he going to be pushed because like you said oh my gosh he's really been pushed a lot and yet he's still here yeah i think you know we have the end of the episode with cody which we haven't really even talked about cody in this episode or in this discussion thus far but i thought it was it was interesting at the beginning when he meets Crosshair again and he's kind of fishing for information about uh, the rest of Clone Force 99 and what happened to them. And then at the end of the episode when he says, uh, are we making the galaxy better? And Crosshair says, we're soldiers. We do what needs to be done. And Cody says, you know, what makes us different from battle droids. We make our own decisions, our own choices, and we have to live with them too. And so what does that mean? Um, what choices is Crosshair living with or going to live with? You I know think he I mean? has a guilty conscience. Does he? Conscience. I think um, Cody does. Does Crosshair? I don't know. I think, I that, think he does. Yeah, right I now. think he does. I think he does. I think he feels like he has made – maybe I'm just projecting. I think I'm projecting based off of other Star Wars things, but <laughs> I do think that I – when that line is said, I think that Crosshair contemplates all the choices that got him to this point and how he could potentially regret that or think about regretting them, I guess. Yeah, I guess think about regretting them maybe. But this episode really made me doubt where Crosshair was going or what was happening yeah. for him. And yeah, because I think the the shooting of the assassination of, of Governor Tawny was – I just – I didn't expect it. And the moment when the camera pans to crosshair with the blaster, it just, it really shook me, I think. Um, Also, you know, when we're talking about like dark moments, the fact that Governor Grattan puts her, says, tells crosshair to put her body in the square, I think is, you know, again, a a very chilling moment. Um, One thing that I think is really good about this episode actually or or a great choice is that Cody doesn't say goodbye to Crosshair. Uh, Crosshair learns about Cody going AWOL uh, from Rampart later on and I think that's important because I think through this episode Cody has realized you know if if that's really what happened to Cody right (laughs) I find myself kind Mm -hmm. of doubting that uh, or having suspicions that maybe something worse happened to Cody but if Cody really did desert um, the empire, I think it's, it's really telling that he didn't tell Crosshair because it feels like, you know, Cody requested Crosshair to be on his squadron when they went to, uh, I think is the name of the planet, um, day six. And it's clear that he feels this camaraderie with, with Crosshair or familiarity with him. And the fact that he didn't tell him, 
when he left, um, I think is very telling, honestly. I think that more and more Crosshair stands on an island, very mm-hmm. separate from everything else. Yeah, yeah. The solitary clone. The, yeah. <laughs> you might say. You might, one might say. <laughs> I think we've talked a lot about Faster already, actually. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about for this episode? I had one thing I wanted to say that was quite, I thought was really cool. David W. Collins, who does the sound, said that while this episode has a lot of the Phantom Menace pod racer vibes in it, he said that no sounds were used from the Phantom Menace and they made new sounds for this episode. I thought that was so interesting and just a really fascinating move and very un-Lucasfilm I think (laughs) to not reuse reuse sounds from that to evoke a certain sense I don't know what that means in terms like thematically I think that it's it was definitely just a choice to make it feel separate one last thing I wanted to say about this episode well actually two last things sorry Uh, my favorite tail line was take a seat spectacled spectator I really enjoyed how it was specifically Teo versus Czech. <laughs> Teo yeah. couldn't care less about anyone else. You just really seemed to go at it with Czech. Uh, I loved it. <laughs> you are doing it wrong, human. <laughs> it's just- also, it's so Ben Schwartz. Like, yeah. It was one of the fastest times I've ever clocked a voice actor. <laughs> it was great. It was, it was so funny. I just, I, of course, and of course to the announcer, uh, tech, anything else on this guy? No, no. Okay. Guess he's a late arrival. Is that his name? Tech? Just tech? It's so funny. And I don't believe you. If you said you didn't laugh. Uh, <laughs> But uh, one thing I wanted to actually that's like of note or I guess of merit would be that uh, this is another example of an episode where Omega is coming up with a solution and she comes up with a new bet to save Sid. And Omega is first and foremost empathetic and 100% cares about the people around her. No questions asked. And this is, of course, you know, part of her being so young and learning about the galaxy. And maybe you can't trust everyone, like Maligi says in this episode. But I will also say that Sid says, um, Maligi tells her, those outcasts will get to know the real Sid. And Sid says, I might surprise you. So I still... I still have hope for Sid. I still want to trust her, but Maligi definitely put some doubt in me in this episode. But she looked, I thought she looked really touched that Omega was kind of going out on a limb for her personally. But I think it, I think absolutely. She was totally touched by that entire thing. I mean, Omega will um, melt the cold heart of anyone, right? (laughs) Yeah. But, but yeah, so I just wanted to make sure we're, uh, noting that as well, that Omega thought of the new bet, proposed it on her own. This girl is so brave. I would be quaking in my boots, but she, she goes after what she wants and she wants to protect the people that she cares about. And that will get her into trouble in the future, I'm sure. Uh, but it continues to be a really good uh, component of her character. Totally. All right, let's go on to an episode we really haven't talked that much about so far, but Entombed. Yes, the Indiana Jones-ish episode. Um, I really enjoyed this. I thought this was a, a ride to watch. Like, it was a pleasure to watch it. I know that's a weird thing to say, but it was such a journey. Longtime listeners might know that I'm actually not usually a fan of these callbacks to, like, whole episodes around certain movies. I'm specifically thinking about an old Rebels episode that's very similar to Jaws, and it, it really irked me. I don't know. It was just not my fave. But I really did enjoy this one. (laughs) And I don't know, maybe, and it's not that I like don't like Jaws more than I like Indiana Jones, even though that is true. I do (laughs) like Indiana Jones more than Jaws, but I love them both. Anyway, I think um, this one was just really good. And I thought I really liked the way that uh, Omega, once again, you were talking about Omega being brave. I think she leads a lot of the discovery here in the cave, in the journey to find the heart of the mountain and things like that. Yeah. Um, I like her f- having the compass. It just felt like we were leading with a lot of childlike wonder in this episode, which I really appreciated. And I think that season two is actually doing a really good job of reminding us constantly that Omega is a child and she needs 
to be free to be a child and explore that wonder as much as she possibly can, right? And I think uh, Fee actually provides that opportunity in a lot of ways. Her stories, I think the episode starts with Tech doubting the fact that the, that Fee's story is constantly changing, right? But <laughs> by the end of it, Fee is telling more and more stories to Omega and Omega is just eating them up, which is great. Um, but it just reminds me that like there's no harm in that. There's no harm in being inspired by stories. And um, in a lot of ways, that was it's like Omega's entertainment and kids and adults too need entertainment that inspires them. And I feel like this was a really good reminder of that. Um, also, longtime listeners know that we um, are not very in tune with the video game lore. So we actually <laughs> had an email from a listener whose name is Ryan, who told us about the I'll just read it okay I know you've said multiple times that Star Wars gaming is a blind spot for you and yes that is very true <laughs> he says I definitely think the big walker thing in the Bad Batch activated was a Zepho construct as it looks like a bunch of enemies from the Jedi Fallen Order um, and presumably the upcoming Jedi Survivor game its big beam attack is also similar to the smaller human side tomb guardians you find as Cal. The head shape is also the same with the wide fins and central power core. And he attached some images. And I just, I think that's all, that's very true. I think if you don't have that knowledge, the end feels a little random <laughs> and sort of like, hmm, I wonder what's going to happen next. And now we've seen tribe and realized like that's it hasn't really been like followed up upon, right? And it's it's all good. I mean, the thing went down, but it does feel a little random. But at the same time, I think that it's really cool that this episode can tell a really fun story of a journey of them not being on a mission, of doing something on their own. That's another big element of this is that the Bad Batch is choosing to do something fun and different than you than just like making money. And yes, this is they are treasure hunting, but they do say like, well, we're not on a mission. So like, why not? You know? Yeah. And I think there's something really cool about this episode bridging a couple different eras of Star Wars together in this. And I do hope that this comes back around because holy crap, that was cool. Yeah. That was, <laughs> that was crazy. Cool. I was yeah. I was honestly kind of sad when the machine me too. Crash. I was like, it's it's free. It's, it's going. It's going on and its yeah, way. It's, it's very violent. Okay. <laughs> but, well, it's but very. It's, it, it was giving me Zillow Beast vibe. Absolutely. Um, you well, know, maybe it's supposed to think about that. I know, it's but it's it's a machine, right? That's what yeah. we're supposed to take away. But yeah, I thought this episode was was really fun, and I think that Omega kind of hanging hanging on every word from fee is is really sweet and someone in our discord also pointed out you know to talk about the mission aspect of it or how they're not technically on a mission uh someone in our discord talked about how it's sweet that it feels like the bad batch kind of went along with this because of how excited omega was and they didn't really want to let her down or harsh her vibe <laughs> um and so they kind of go on this this adventure with fee and omega and omega is the one kind of yeah, like you said earlier, she's the one that's kind of figuring out uh, how to solve these puzzles. And she's able to come at it from that childlike perspective. And I think if you've watched Indiana Jones, you know, when they're in that tunnel and they're walking the the rotating tunnel when it's just uh, Fee, Hunter, and Omega, and Ome mm -hmm. uh, Hunter just starts going across, you're like, this no, you, something's going to shoot out at you or something you bad. Can't just walk across you can't just walk down across a tunnel. The tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where have you been, Hunter? <laughs> so I thought that was really funny. And I thought it was cool how like the whole tunnel rotated. I don't know. I really liked it. Definitely, you know, of course, we get those world between world vibes with the lighting on this machine as well. Always have to pay attention to that. But one thing you said this of kind of connecting eras of Star Wars uh, within an episode. And this place is called Scar Anal, and Fee tells us that it traces back to the ancients. And I think Tech or another someone else says, you mean the Jedi? And Fee says, no, older. And this is just another example of the Bad Batch being reminded of just how vast the history of the galaxy is and how much of it predates them, how they've really been here for, what, 10 years Maybe less. Yeah. I don't even know. Maybe less. 
Yeah. You know, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. And this is, I think, kind of like the second time that it's been explicitly reminded to us, and I think to text specifically, that the galaxy's history is much bigger and people don't just fit into these boxes. Like when they were on Sereno and uh, they're talking to that Serenian man. Why can't I remember his name? The old man. And he reminds Tech that we existed before the Separatists did. And Tech was like, oh, yeah. And then, you know, something ancient and powerful that doesn't just mean the Jedi tech. That means so much more. And if you are a fan of, you know, Jedi Fallen Order, it looks like you're getting pieces of that too. And the little bit that I read about the Zepho species sounded super cool. So I would love to see it come back around in some form or fashion, find another one of these machine beasts. And maybe it'll be like a nice one without an energy emitting beam. You know what I mean? Yeah. But we're also getting like, this is something that is also tying into the higher public. If you're reading any of the higher public yes. books, this idea of how people specifically face too, of how people interact with the force and what they call themselves. Um, the Jedi are just one representation of people who have what I would call like a relationship with the force or knowledge of the force and can utilize it in that way. So I think it's great that we're kind of pulling some of that here and really pulling that super ancientness of the galaxy. That's one of the reasons you and I love the world between worlds. Mortis definitely hinges on that. And like that temple on Lothal where we enter the world between worlds and rebels, I think is very, you know, wants you to think of a time before the Jedi in a lot of ways. So I think I'm really glad that it kind of took this direction. I really liked how the uh, compass, the way that Fee talks about the compass once it again when we're in the tunnel and Omega has to put it into the wall as like a key and she can't get it out she wants this keepsake right she wants this souvenir and Fee said it, it served its purpose Scara Nall has reclaimed it and Omega of course repeats Fee she goes Scara Nall has reclaimed it <laughs> and she's just yeah. I think she repeats almost everything Fee says in this episode and it's so cute it's, cute. it's really cute I really the concept like it. of the compass serving its purpose, though, reminds me of the clones. Mm -hmm. And the it made me think, if we just take the line, the comp like, it served its purpose, Scaranel has reclaimed it, how does that relate to Omega? And how does, you know, we, we talk a lot about clones' purpose, right? And in a lot of ways, that is the what we're after in the Bad Batch as a series. And what does it mean for something, like, larger than themselves to reclaim I mean, maybe I'm thinking too deeply about it, but I do think that, I don't know, it just made me think about, oh my, are they, so, like, does that even matter for them, like, as an individual? I mean, we're talking about free will here, but I think that the Bad Batch are past their purpose, their creation for the war. So what does that mean now? What is the something larger that will claim them or reclaim them or what is their purpose? I don't know. It's, it's I mean, it's it's the humanitarian question about what is anyone's purpose, but I don't know. In that moment, I, that's what I immediately thought of. Yeah, I think I was thinking about the artifact itself and this idea that you can't take things with you or something like that compass yeah. was removed, was stolen probably mm -hmm. and taken. And so to bring it back, it's not going to leave again. This is where it belongs. But I think that's a good point of thinking, you know, higher purpose when it comes to our characters. Where do they ultimately belong? Where are they yes. going? Where are they staying? Are they staying anywhere? I think I think these are all things we're supposed to be thinking about. Yeah, where this family, where does this family belong? What are its their higher purpose in the galaxy and uh, their responsibility to each other as well? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I really liked this episode. I thought it was a really fun watch, to be honest, like I said before. It's just good. Just yeah. really good. I do want to shout out Fee's droid. Yes. When he was running at the end. I was like, oh, my God, save him. <laughs> I just love – and she does. She yeah. does. Yeah. The fact that she has a backup of his memory is really funny to me. And I was thinking about, like, the mechanisms of this and whether or not that droid – this backup that she has includes him like dying <laughs> and whether or not this droid remembers all the times that he's died die oh see all i was thinking about was l3 and i know that's the other okay, thing yeah. that i was gonna bring up too <laughs> yeah it just reminded me of how lando and l3 are you know a team when they 
go on missions and do their thing too. It just, it was kind of a cute parallel. Yeah. But yeah, I loved that droid. I think I love any droid that looks like a little trash can. Yeah. Um, this one was so. particularly trash canny. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was very, it was very cute. And I was very worried for him too. So Me I'm too. glad they made a point at the end of the episode to be like, is he okay? <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like no we lost him like, it's fine he's good he's good I he's got a good. backup of him she like doesn't yeah. even she doesn't even like pause when they're walking back to the ship <laughs> she's like it's fine it's cool um yeah also I believe it looks like there were matte paintings at the end of this episode when they're leaving the planet it has to be looked incredible continues to look incredible um the music was again a star player in this episode it was like you are absolutely gonna feel like you're in an indiana jones movie let's go (laughs) which i thought was really fun all right are we ready to talk about tribe i loved this episode so much i got really emotional in this episode fun story charlotte was seeing the last jedi in theaters up in new york when i was re-watching this episode and I was like crying over Gunji and I was texting her and I was like, I know you're literally watching a Raylo duel right now, which is everything, but I'm over here crying about Gunji. Duel. <laughs> duel, Caitlin. No duel. They were working together. Working together. <laughs> okay. I mean, it becomes a little duely at the end. <laughs> <laughs> sure. sure. You're watching, Sorry. You're watching, bring that in there. You're watching God tier Raylo content, and I'm over here crying about Gunji. <laughs> but I need you to know that I'm crying about Gunji. <laughs> and it was, anyway, I thought it was funny. So I needed to share with all of you. But I think it's funny that Echo and Omega were the ones left to guard the ship. Again, like a, a good pairing. We don't see as often, or we're seeing more this season than we did last season, which is great. But of course, Omega sneaks off. <laughs> and again, Omega's first reaction to seeing Gunji is one of empathy. And she knows nothing about him. And she immediately works to help him. And I just, I absolutely love that. And uh, then we have this great line from Tech of, you know, once once Gunji and Omega have gotten themselves into trouble. And Tech goes, that cause of blaster fire is likely Echo or Omega most likely Omega. (laughs) And I think that's really funny. Um, Yeah, I just, I don't want to like steal your thunder either talking about this episode, but uh, I think you had said this at the top of the show, Charlotte, about how this episode was really kind of bringing to the surface or, or rather emphasizing the sacrifices of war and what all of this really means and means for these planets, these communities, and also these children. And I think having a a young Padawan like Gunji was so important. And I just found myself getting really emotional about this idea of Gunji after Order 66. You know, he's one of the few Wookiee Jedi out there. So he's already like a bit of an island unto himself. But then to have all of his classmates, his mentors, everyone gone. And all he knows is to go back to Kashyyyk. And how does he even get there as a Jedi, as a Padawan is just, I don't know, it was so heart-wrenching. And then for him to actually get back to Kashyyyk, well, not only that, but to be rescued by clones. And I was really glad that they had another beat of, of that with Omega and with the rest of the Bad Batch for them to explain why Gunji would be so hesitant to go with them. And Yeah, I thought that was really important because, of course, you know, the season premiere or the series premiere of The Bad Batch was when we saw young Kanan and what happened to him and his reaction to the clones, very understandably. And for Gunji to be that, like, desperate, you know what I mean, for him to have agreed to go with the clones there, um, he must have had a lot of trust in Omega or knew that this was kind of his only option right now. I don't know. I just... Really felt horrible for Gunji, and then for to get back to Kashyyyk and that moment when he sees that everything is burned, and it—I don't know—you're just really thinking like, what is he going to do now? You know, like where is he going to go? Where is Gunji going to go in the galaxy now that he was taken from his first home, lost his second home, and then tries to return, and there's nothing to return to? It just—it really made me sad. 
It's very sad. And yeah, the entire purpose of this episode, I think, is to show the sacrifices of war um, from perhaps the most special child, which is, I mean, I don't love saying that, but, you know, a a Jedi and how hard that would be, right? Um, I even thought of Grogu in a lot of ways, too. But it really emphasizes how important it is for Omega to explore, like what I said in that last episode that we talked about, like continue up with that childlike wonder because it's constantly robbed from these children of war um, over and over again. I felt like this episode had really strong themes of environmentalism too. I think that happens Mm -hmm. anytime you go to Kashyyyk. I think they even use the word deforestation in this episode. I really liked the the Wookiee tribes. I really liked Yana. Mm -hmm. Um, I think as I get older, I just really like Wookiees a lot more than I ever did when I was a child. Yeah. I I find I love the the culture. It's so weird to say, but I really do love um Wookiees now. <laughs> and I like I like them, you know, eating all together and everything. But I think to bring it back to the seriousness of it is Gunji is gonna a lot of ways, and this is why I was thinking a lot about Grogu, is you know, Chewbacca will live to be hundreds of years old, right? And Gunji is similar will be similar, right? And he'll also live to be hundreds of years old and likely is aging slow, Grogu. just like Grogu, right? And I think that that is also like in op- like opposite of the clones too, who age really mm-hmm. fast. Mm-hmm. And then you think about Omega who ages normally. I think it's just interesting if you put those two things into perspective about aging and childhood and you think a lot about the fact that the clones experienced a very short childhood themselves too, except for Omega. And how do you confront, like, how do you even foster a childhood when you didn't even have one? Yeah. And here you have a character. Yes. You hear you have a character that will have a very long childhood too. So you put those all together and it creates a very interesting study on how important it is to have a pure childhood. Um, But they won't have that because of war and deforestation and the fact that he is still trying to find a sense of belonging um, on Kashyyyk. Yeah. Well, even you talking about the the aging made me think of Uh the trees too, because they grow slowly and have very long lifespans. And the way that the Wookiees treat the trees, what is it? I think Tech says that the Wookiees believe that the the Kashyyyk belongs to the trees. And so – they just live among the trees as like allies, but the the planet is ultimately the trees. Uh, yeah. So I anyway, just wanted to add that too. Yeah. I love the tree aspect. I like at the end when Gunji and Omega are both uh, listening to the tree. I just thought that was, it's just really sweet. <laughs> A lot of this episode is just like very yeah. sweet. <laughs> yeah. Um, this also, uh, this episode also reminded me like Chandosians are scary. <laughs> They're really Oh my god. They're a They're the formidable worst. villain often. Well, they are they are the ones that uh in the season three finale of Clone Wars uh yes. kidnap Ahsoka, right? It's tradition. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I, I feel like they just are in a lot of ways like a stock-ish villain. Mm-hmm. They're just very scary. And I sort of wonder when we're gonna like break that down, to be honest. Like that, the Gamorian like, guards. Sort of- Honestly, yeah. <laughs> when are we going to take the like scariness away from transosians? Um, not that we don't have to, but like we could. There's we could, yeah. 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 <laughs> and I wonder what's going to happen. Um, but overall, I just I really thought this episode was just very beautiful, and what a great way to bring in Gunji and like the Jedi, and just remind us of where we are in the timeline of Jedi on the run. Yeah, I hope that he is happy and I hope we see him again. Yeah, I think with Wookiees, right, the communication of it is always like, how are they going to work around that? Who understands Shri Wook? Um, who has a translator to understand what a Wookiee is saying, right? You know what I mean? It's like a little bit of both. And I love at the end we see Wrecker try and speak Shri Wook. <laughs> um, I thought that was really funny. But because of that, you know, there's so much emotion 
there's so much emphasis put on the way that a character like Gunji's emotions are portrayed uh, visually, like on his face. And I think that this episode did such a great job, like I said, of like the fear that Gunji had in the beginning of the episode and kind of his distress when they finally do arrive on Kashyyyk. Because I think something important that I didn't mention earlier was that uh, Gunji says that he remembers Kashyyyk from his dreams. So it's it sounds like it's not a place he's been back to since he left to become a Jedi. So the fact that this is still just a place from his dreams and he's following this dream that he's had about Kashyyyk as a safe place for him to go back to other Wookiees, to his people, again, just absolutely heartbreaking. And Yana says that, um, like, Gunji is not part of Yana's tribe, but he, she says that he can stay with them uh, because obviously it sounds like, you know, a lot of tribes have potentially been wiped out on Kashyyyk. I think it's also important to know, as you were talking about with the Trendotians, that not only are they deforesting Kashyyyk, but they're also explicitly going after these carved stones. So it's not just about resources, which I think one of the Bad Batch references that throughout the episode, but it's also about destroying important cultural sites like i don't know the car stone to me doesn't read as a resource to use for something else this is something that is important to the wookies and we see that one wookie you know so upset like it feels like he was there trying to protect these carved stones when he was captured by the Trandoshans. and it's just a reminder that uh, the Empire wants to completely wipe out the individuality of yes. these planets and these places. And yeah, this was this was an intense episode, honestly. And to really see the effect it had on a kid like Gunji. And I think at the end of the episode, we do have Hunter kind of reflecting on that with Yana about, you know, they're just kids and so much was taken from them. And what what will their future look like? And this is something we've talked a lot about with Hunter of, you know, he definitely feels like the most like dad number one <laughs> to Omega. And what Hunter feels that it's his purpose to raise Omega, I would say, and his responsibility to protect her. I think all of the Bad Batch feel that way, but I think Hunter in particularly, like that is what he cares about. That's his number one priority. And to see him kind of reflect on Omega and Gunji listening to the trees in this like moment of beautiful tranquility after a really intense battle and fight is just, I think, I think it's something that continues to weigh on Hunter and has weighed on him for a really long time. Very similar, actually, you bringing Grogu into the discussion. Very similar, I think, now to Din and Grogu and what Din ultimately wants for his son Grogu. You know what I mean? Um, it just... I really loved this episode. I thought it was beautiful and heart-wrenching in that best kind of angsty way, that best kind of Star Wars is tragedy <laughs> way yes. that there was still beauty in this place um, despite all of the destruction. And even though it wasn't what Gunji thought, he was still welcomed back. And what I forget, I should have written it down, but there was that quote from Yana uh, where she says, when a child leaves, the trees cry, I think is what she said. And when they come back, they rejoice. It was something like that. And I just love the idea of Gunji, like, reintroducing himself back to the trees. And they're like, we never forgot you. You know what I mean? Like, you've always been one of us. Like, you've always belonged here on Kashyyyk. I don't know. I'm, like, getting emotional thinking about it. I just think it's really special and sweet. Uh, one last it thing. It really is. It really is. One last thing I wanted to bring up, you know, talking about our other characters is that Echo is the one that advocates uh, for the group to stay and help the Wookiees. And I think we talked about this in the premiere episode of Echo um, wanting to go out and do more for the galaxy. Remember, it's that conversation that Omega overhears and she feels really guilty about it later on throughout the episode. Um, and Hunter in that episode was the one like, you know, like we're supposed to be protecting Omega and all this stuff. And Echo is the one who says, we have these skills and these capabilities, like we should be doing more. And this is another example of Echo advocating for the Bad Batch to do more uh, and to stay with the Wookiees and to help them in their fight against the Trandoshans slash the Empire. Yeah, I agree. I think that something we haven't really talked about a lot is that there's not a lot of Echo development in this 
arc of episodes too. Um, I think if we're tracking in terms of what characters are getting a lot of attention and development, it's of these past four episodes, it's definitely like, it's definitely Tech and Omega for me um, that are getting the most attention. And, but here, I think this is a good moment of Echo making a solid decision um, here. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely a small moment, but um, it's important. And I think it it ties really nicely to his conversations uh, and what it feels like his motivations are in episode one of the, of the season so far. Yeah. Absolutely. I really loved this episode. I honestly, I really liked all these, these past four episodes. I'm really enjoying this season. And because we've seen 14 episodes, I will say that I, I really enjoyed this season overall. And I think it's um, just a really solid batch. And I'm really excited to talk about next week's episodes. Yeah, you guys. You're going to love it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm excited to talk about it. So, yeah, uh, that means we will be back next week. Uh, So next week they are showing episodes seven and eight on Disney Plus, very much like the season premiere. Uh, It's the two episodes. So we will be covering those together. So check back here for that coverage. I'm so looking forward to it. Yes. Bad Batch continues to be such a great show, and we're so lucky to have it. More Star Wars animated projects, please. Yeah, just give us any and all um, Star Wars animated projects. So (laughs) I hope you guys like this episode. Um, Like we said, this is a new format for us, so let us know what you think about it, any ideas you have, or or different maybe methods of reviewing larger sets of episodes. We would love to hear what you guys think. You can find us on Twitter at SkytalkersPod or our personal handles. Mine is at Caitlin Plusher and Charlotte's is at Clarity. We also have our website, skytalkers.com our Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all good places to find us. And if you haven't left us a review yet on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we would really appreciate it if you took a couple of seconds to go and do that. It really helps other people find our show. And if you're interested in other ways to support us, you can head on over to our Patreon and check out our different reward tiers there. And I want to say a huge thank you to these patrons. Carol, David, Simon, Tim, Paul, Danny, Z, James, Nick, Christina, Rachel, Jessica, Emma, Kara, Allie, Olivia, and Justin. Thank you so much for supporting us. Yes, thank you guys so much. And until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you.